You're listening to The Sounding Line from the Gulf of Maine Research Institute. I'm Gail Bonus, Municipal Climate Action Program Manager at GMRI. Thanks for joining us. In my work with the Institute, I support coastal communities in better understanding and preparing for the impacts of projected sea level rise. This work includes developing maps that expose the complex impacts of sea level rise on community well-being and engaging the public in data collection at both the water level and weather conditions that result in local flooding. Much of that work is done in partnership with municipal leaders. In today's conversation, we're going to hear about two cities right here in Maine that came together to create a joint plan for climate action called One Climate Future. We'll hear about the plan from Julie Rosenbach, Sustainability Director for the City of South Portland, and Troy Moon, Sustainability Coordinator for the City of Portland. Let's take a listen. So One Climate Future is um, a joint climate action and adaptation plan for the cities of Portland and South Portland. It's pretty exciting because in previous iterations, we did climate action plans and we focused on mitigation, which is reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And now we're looking at how do we reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also adapt to the climate change that we know is coming and is already in a lot of ways here. You know, I'd say it lays out certain steps that we think we need to take as communities to achieve our climate goals. But... (coughs) It's not just about doing certain things. It's really about thinking about what kind of community do we want to live in in 2050 because we know, as Julie said, we're going to see impacts of climate change, whether it be you know sea level rise or more hot days or you know insect-related diseases, you know any number of things that could happen. But how do we prepare our communities for those changes and still make Portland and South Portland the wonderful, livable communities they are now? And you know why people want to live here. We want to maintain that and make sure people still really want to live here in 30 years. So you're using the word we, and we're talking about Portland and South Portland a lot. We have you both here. So could you talk a bit about why you decided to do a joint city plan and why was that important? That was That's one of my f- absolute favorite things about this plan. And and as far as we know, when we, when we set off to develop this plan, we were the only two cities doing a joint plan in, in the country. Um, and it makes sense on so many levels. On a geographic level, we share Casco Bay. We have a lot of people who live and work in both cities. You know, our economies are so tied together. But also, it's a, it's a big undertaking. We know that climate change is not just a municipal or even a regional or even a state. It's climate change is a global issue. And so the more that we can build the partnerships around addressing it, I think the stronger the plan the other thing is, I absolutely love working with Troy, and we both started out as one-person offices, and now we've expanded our offices, but really taking on the the magnitude of how are we going to get to zero carbon emissions by 2050 um, is really daunting, and it's been fantastic. We had a partnership already based on a lot of um, initiatives we had done, and it just seemed like the next natural step. And in fact, I think it started with a little bit of me saying, hey, Troy, we achieved our municipal climate action plan for, for municipal operations, and now I really need to do a citywide climate action plan, and I think I need a steering committee, and I really need you on that steering committee. And he said, well, my council wants me to do a climate action plan as well. We're like, great, and it went from there. 
it, you know, as Julie said, it's a, it's it's better to work together. We, you know, we were one of our goals was to demonstrate the importance of regional collaboration. We could have Portland could have the best climate action plan in the world, and if the things that South Portland were doing was weren't complementary and supportive, it, it would it wouldn't be as effective and the same, you know, for for South Portland and largely in for the state. So it's really important that we think about this as a as a pr- thing we work on together, and also. It just made sense from an efficiency point of view, too. I mean, as Julie mentioned, we are really small teams. And doing a joint, you know, doing both communities at once was not harder than doing, you know, it, was, it was easier than doing them, you know, separately because we were able to kind of pool our, our financial resources and our personnel resources and uh, have a much better product. And uh, it was fun to, like, work on issues on, you know, both sides of, of the river and, and think about how, you know, different policies or practices, you know, affect people in each community a little bit differently. And just having a great teammates to work together and share ideas and frustrations and sound off with and, and you know, vent with and just and celebrate with, too, because we had we really did have a lot of fun. It was super hard, but we had a lot of fun working on this plan. So to switch a little bit, what are some of the barriers to all of this work that you're doing, all of these projects, and um, kind of what's keeping you up at night? I'm not necessarily up at night. I feel more jazzed about all of the work that we're doing and just being able to work on these initiatives. And I feel like somebody else that doesn't directly do this work every day might be more nervous about climate change and what we're doing. But since I get to wake up every day and take action, um, I, I just feel really inspired by our plan and by the work that we're doing. And every day, just being able to put policies and programs together to to move something forward to create the the sustainable community that we want to have. Mm-hmm. I, I should say one, one barrier, some of the barriers are that as municipalities, we don't have the capacity or the legislative um, state-level action to move forward with what we do, like the the um, the building energy code is a is one uniform building and energy code for for the state and cities and towns can't go beyond that. So a lot of what we've looked at is where are the barriers and where do we need to then advocate on the state level to change things so that we can move forward as cities. And we're just trying to not see barriers and stop, but see barriers and say how do we make them into opportunities or change what we need to change at the state level. And that's been that's been great. I'm really. I've been working at this for a long time. We did our first climate action plan in Portland in 2000. Our first greenhouse gas inventory, I should say, in 2001, and our first uh, you know municipal climate action plan in 2008. So it just seemed you know we've made some progress, and you know. But what's kind of exciting now is um, and makes you know me feel good about what's going on is that you know after pushing that ball for so long, it feels like it's really starting to pick up some momentum finally, which, you know, I'm super gratified about that. But, you know, and so I'm glad we're doing it now. I wish, you know, I wish the ball had started rolling, you know, sooner, Um, but we are where we are. And so I'm glad that it's finally happening, Um, you know, but there's so much to do and, you know, the, you know, importance and the, you know, of, and the fact that we're seeing climate change happening so quickly around us, you know, just underscores the importance of of what we're doing. And, so, yeah, I mean, if anything keeps me up at night, it's like, can we do this fast enough? Um, because there's so much to do and the stakes are so high. 
because you know any you know I think about you know, whatever carbon we can reduce now is carbon that's not going to make the world hotter and you know, for somebody you know largely for other people you know we have our problems here but other parts of the globe are impacted much more dramatically than Portland is um, so you know, we need to do our part to keep the entire planet to be a livable place for everybody whether they're in North America or Asia or Africa. Or yeah, I, to- I totally agree. that, And it seems like the stakes are high, and it seems like, how are we going to get to where we need to get to? But I have such faith that we will. I mean, if you look at some of the things um, and how many people have, you know, we were pushing air source heat pumps or what people call mini splits for heating and cooling. Um, and now there's great efficiency main rebates, and people are um, installing left and right in their houses, and that's changing what we use for energy away from fossil fuels towards renewable energy. Um, the EV car market and truck market, that's about to make a major shift as well. So I feel like we keep pushing and pushing and it feels like we're making small incremental progress. And then all of a sudden it catches and it's a tipping point and it takes on and it moves forward. And so it's just, it's really, I love my job. I love working with fantastic people like Troy and his team. And, you know, we just get to move, we get to move things forward in a way that is going to create it's not going to create a different life. People live here on purpose because of a great way of life, and so we're just going to preserve it and uh, make it more sustainable. So. so you guys have clearly put a lot of work, a lot of heart, a lot of soul, blood, sweat, and tears, and all of that into this plan, and the, the folks that you work with, too. A lot of people have contributed to it. So what advice do you have for other cities from what you have learned or other sustainability professionals? I'd say collaborate. We aren't in this, you know, we can't do everything. We can't do it ourselves. We can't solve the problem with our own individual offices or even within our own cities. So reaching out to, you know, partners in other communities, um, engaging with the citizens and, you know, people in the community, just, yeah, just reaching out and, and get started. Yeah, they say that um, that the dimensions of success are, are relationships, process, and results. And I feel like it's it's never been so clear to me as in this process. You know, we built a lot of relationships, and you know, Portland, South Portland, small towns, and and really, so many relationships are, are fundamental to so many things that we do. Um, and so we had really strong partnerships and relationships. And I think um, our city councils are have been very supportive and um, and visionary in it to what they want to see their communities be. And so that has allowed us to open up with people and start talking with people and kick around ideas and develop new programs and new policies. And so it's just given us um, a little bit of the, the freedom to say, here's here's what we here's what we'd like to see and going out and seeking that. As we were developing all of the strategies, I mean, there's 67 strategies, but like 100 and something actions to take. We had to be careful and say, well, that would be fantastic, but that's not quite in our wheelhouse. We need to make sure that we are doing what municipal governments should be doing and not uh, mission creeping out. Um, And so we just naturally said, oh, well, we could partner with this group or that organization or that foundation. Um, And there's so many people that are doing fantastic um, research, advocacy, education in the state of Maine that, that it just it made it a lot easier and it does make it easier when we get together with a, a group of people. And you know one of the as Julie mentioned, relationships are super important and really foundational to what we're doing. And as we were doing the plan, we were trying to build those relationships. But one of the things we realized is that 
we need to enhance our relationships and have better relationships with um, you know some parts of our community that are a little harder to to get access to maybe whose voices aren't always at the table um, you know think about relationships and government is that it really privileges people who are already in the networks and who understand or have time to participate in in a political type process so um, we're really you know one of our goals and priorities moving into the you know implementing the plan is to be really a lot more intentional about building those relationships, um, getting to know more people, you know, in the immigrant community or, you know, maybe people who are experiencing homelessness. You know, some people are going to be impacted by climate change more than others. And we want to make sure that we build those relationships and, and get input and understand what some of the issues impacting, you know, everyone in our community are um, so we can make sure that we are intentional about addressing them too and and having you know people really contribute to solving the problems that are will affect them as well so when when covid hit we were still uh, in the process of developing our plan and then the black lives matter movement um, started and so we set out to develop a plan that was um, based on equity and really focused on equity but when covid hit and the black lives matter movement um, happened it it really, we looked again at everything and really re-examined things, and we said, climate justice is not going to happen without social justice, and that has to run through every single strategy in our in our plan. And so we've really worked on that. And like Troy said, we have we have a long way to go because um, it's not just a matter of reaching out to people; it's a matter of spending time to develop the relationships with people who don't traditionally have a voice. And so we're working on that right now into the future. Yeah, it's ongoing. I mean, it's one of those things that we need to make sure we're intentional about going forward for everything we do. One last question. What what has um, been being part of this work meant for you personally or for your families personally? Well, I think people who work, and especially people who have been in municipal government for a long time, are maybe somewhat idealists. And so for me, being able, you know, I'm really concerned about climate change. It's something that, you know, I care a lot about. And being able to, you know, play a role in taking action at the, at the municipal level is really important to me. Just being able to, you know, see the impacts, what we're doing, the changes, and the, you know, you know working. Because municipal government's where, like, the rubber meets the road in terms of government. It's like things happen. It's not just policy. It's actually action. And so to be able to see the changes that we're talking about and contemplating actually starting to take place is really gratifying. I don't feel like I'm an idealist. If I'd describe myself, I'd be like a super practical person. And and I like just doing really practical things. And so, I mean, this is part of the um, partnership and why it works so well is that I feel like in this job, I get to be useful and practical towards uh, fighting climate change um, in ways. There's so many different things that people are saying, hey, we should do this or we should do something else that we think about. And we say, well, it seems like a big effort and it might not actually change that much. So let's look at where we can have the biggest impact um, and really design programs and policies that will push people to change the way they do business, we live each day, um, and yet do it in a way that's not completely impractical. You know, we're not, I don't think we need everybody to be environmentalists. We just need to set up the systems that say, this is the right decision to make um, in a very practical way 
you know, there's cost savings associated with all a lot of the energy initiatives and the transportation options are coming that are going to be um, feasible price-wise and with a lot of um, electricity range. And so I think just setting up um, choices that people make that they can say, yep, I feel like I'm, I have a choice and it's a good choice. I can compost my food waste because there's a program in my city to do it and I can take advantage of that and just I think creating the container for people to make the choices. That was Julie Rosenbach, Sustainability Director for the City of South Portland, and Troy Moon, Sustainability Coordinator for the City of Portland, talking about their experiences collaborating on a joint plan for climate action called One Climate Future. I'm Gail Bonus, Municipal Climate Action Program Manager at the Gulf of Maine Research Institute. The Sounding Line is a production of the Gulf of Maine Research Institute, and you can find more episodes and read more about our work at gmri.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.